0: Two. Romans chapter 2. The religious person usually feels that they have a special standing before God, not only because they are orthodox in their intellectual assent to the truth, but also because they are scrupulous in keeping the rituals and the uh, rites and the ordinances of their religion. Paul will now show in this section of the book of Romans, that rituals give no preference with God. One writer here says that Paul pursues the Jew into his last retreat. Now keep in mind that Paul is not talking here about the endless rituals of the countless religions that are in the world. Obviously, they have no value since they have not been authorized by the Word of God. Rather, Paul is concerned with the ordinances required in the Old Testament times under the ceremonial section of Israel's divinely inspired legal code, and particularly he is concerned with the distinctively Jewish rite of circumcision, which was the, the outward seal of the covenant that God made with Abraham and was... Uh, something that was administered to every Jewish male uh, in infancy. Like so many who are in Christendom today who imagine themselves members of the church and followers of Christ and heirs of heaven because they have been baptized, the Jew thought that his circumcision gave him special status with God. The Jews actually believed and taught that no circumcised man would ever see hell. In spite of the fact that the number of the Old Testament prophets plainly said that it was an inward reality that was pictured by the outward external ceremony. It is this idea that a religious ordinance of some sort can profit the soul apart from a vital personal experience with God that Paul condemns. And in this section, he contrasts the limited value of rituals in religious matters with the limitless value of reality, of an inward spiritual reality. You remember that God instituted the, right, the practice of circumcision, which involves the removal of the male foreskin. As a sign of his covenant with Abraham over 500 years before he gave Moses the law, it symbolized moral purity and separation from the world unto God. It was a distinctive sign that said that the Jew belonged to God. And under the law of Moses, it became a sign of membership in the covenant. Community, So as a God-ordained ritual, circumcision was of value to the Jews as a reminder of their covenant relationship to God and that they were to be morally set apart to God. So when Paul says that circumcision is of value, he is speaking to the Jew as Jews. Now when he addresses those who are in Christ... In Galatians chapter 5, he says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through the law. Here, here is where our sacramental friends who, who who say that baptism is to be administered to infants get it wrong. They They, they get the continuity of the covenants, they miss the discontinuity of the covenant, uh, which is important. Circumcision was a Jewish sign of the covenant, and it ended when Jesus instituted the new covenant. It is important to note here, and I want to say this a couple of times, Paul doesn't say that circumcision has no value at all. Rather, he says that the value of any divinely authorized ritual Is related to a couple of things. Baptism cannot save you. There there is a group in the church that believes in baptismal regeneration. That when you are baptized, then you are regenerated. That's not true. Baptism cannot save. But that does not mean that baptism does not have value. Baptism is an identification of the believer in the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and with the covenant community, with the church uh, itself. So Paul says that the value of any divinely authorized ritual is directly related to the law that God has given. That's what he says in verse 25. In other words, a rite or a ritual is meaningful only insofar as the outward expression of an inward experience. No outward ceremonial act can have any value if it is not related in some way to a dynamic, personal, and scriptural experience with God. There is no value in me taking you into this baptistry and putting you under the water unless you have actually come into a relationship with Jesus Christ through repentance and faith. As a matter of fact, that's not even baptism. That that's just taking a bath. I've I've just got you wet, you know. And there are vast numbers of people in the world in the Baptist Church who just got wet, you know. And many of them thank thank the Lord realize it later in life, and we call it rebaptism. Although that's a misnomer; they weren't baptized the first time. Because the, the value of the ritual is directly related to the inward spiritual experience. Uh, for circumcision then, to be of any practical value, the Jew must keep the law of God, Paul says. Something that is humanly impossible. And if you break the law, then circumcision becomes null and void. Um The the ordinances, an ordinance is a sign of a spiritual reality, a token, a symbol, if you will, rather than the reality itself. Uh, An ordinance is divinely instituted by Christ himself. Uh, In the liturgical uh, sense, they're called sacraments. We don't call them sacraments in the Baptist church because they do not convey grace but grace is present and it doesn't mean that they are without value but we call them ordinances because they are something that God has commanded us to do. We have two ordinances in the Baptist church, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Uh, it, it, it separates them from things that we are not commanded to do but we may do. For instance we are commanded to pray. But we're not commanded necessarily to kneel when we pray. We're commanded to sing, but we don't necessarily have to have instruments in order to do that. You see, but but Christ clearly commanded baptism and the Lord's Supper. Uh, so an ordinance then uses material elements as visible tokens of God's blessing. In baptism, the token is water. We're we're baptized in water. That signifies that we have died with Christ and buried with Him, and we rise to walk in newness of life. In the Lord's Supper, the token is bread, which signifies the body of Christ, and wine, which signifies the shed blood of Christ. In the Old Testament, the sign was the cutting away of flesh. Uh, This this is important because it sets apart the ordinances from other activities that do not use material elements as signs. Uh, And the, the element distinguishes the ordinance to which it points. For example... If you're driving along Interstate 75 and you see a sign that reads Chattanooga, 30 miles, you realize that that is a sign pointing to Chattanooga. The sign is not Chattanooga. It simply points to it. If you see a sign that says drink Coca-Cola, then that sign is not Coca-Cola. It is pointing you in the direction of Coca-Cola. It is in that way that the ordinance points to to spiritual realities. Baptism signifies our identification with Jesus Christ by faith. In the early church, as a matter of fact, up until the the latter part of the 19th century, if you wanted to identify with the body of Christ and become a part of the church, you came forward for believer's baptism or you asked to be baptized. There were no altar calls because there is no altar in the New Testament church as I have told you repeatedly this is a communion table here not an altar we are not killing anything here Christ has died once for all the just for the unjust so there were no invitation hymns none of that came along until the latter part of the 19th century if you wanted to identify yourself with the body of Christ you requested believers baptism in that way you set yourself apart or God set you apart as a part of the body the Lord's Supper is so important because it signifies our participation and union with Him and it is what we have in common we take communion why? because we have in common the body and the blood of Jesus Christ Uh, so the sign is secondary, outward and visible. The reality is primary, inward and invisible. The sign of baptism, the Lord's Supper, are these are, are water, bread and wine, but the reality is inward. The reality is invisible. You can't see our communion. You understand? <laughs> Nor can you see our identification other than as in the outward sign is exhibited. An ordinance is not a means of grace, but it does have spiritual value as a token of grace. Grace is not conferred in, in the sense of spiritual life. You, you can't become a Christian by being baptized, you can't become a Christian by taking the bread and the wine and the Lord's Supper. Those are things that rather demonstrate the inward reality that you are a Christian. Uh, Spiritual life is not somehow magically communicated to those who participate in the ordinances so that they are automatically saved. That's the very point that Paul is denying in his discussion here of circumcision in the text. But again, it's not the same thing as saying that it has no value. Uh, it, it has great value. Um, and then an ordinance is a token of the grace that it signifies. Uh, I, I said that a sign that points to Chattanooga is is uh, something other than itself. It, it points a traveler to Chattanooga. Or it encourages someone to drink Coca-Cola. But a sign frequently does something else. It indicates ownership. If you see a sign that says Joe's Restaurant, that means the restaurant belongs to Joe. Uh, A sign reading United States Courthouse means it's a building on which is found property belonging to the United States, uh, the federal government. So, the, the, the ordinance is a token of ownership and of belonging, and it has value that way. So, the value of an outward sign, the value of an outward ordinance uh, is, is regulated by the law that God has given. And then he says in verse 26 and 27, also by the light that a person has. He says that a man who has no rituals may be more righteous than a man who is devoted to them. And a man devoted to rituals may be more responsible in the sight of God than if he were devoid of them. Paul's argument here is simply this. If a religious person flouts the clear teaching of the Word of God, he in effect cancels everything the ritual was given for it, because again, the outward, the outward action means nothing if there is not inward reality. Uh, in other, on the other hand, a person who has never received an outward ceremonial confirmation of his faith, but whose heart is right with God, is really enjoying everything that the ritual stands for. Uh, and he's, again, he's not saying that the ritual has no value. He is saying that the value is limited by the condition of the person's heart. The condition of the heart means everything, it determines whether or not the ritual is real. Again, if you have not been born again, then stepping into the waters of baptism means absolutely nothing nothing whatsoever. If there is no inward reality, There is never anything mechanical, automatic, or superficial about a person's relationship to God. And no mere ceremony can make up what is deficient in a person's own life and heart. Being a Jew is important. In fact, in a sense, every person must become a part of that covenant community. Paul will plainly say in the New Testament... You are the Israel of God. You who are the people of God, you're the Israel of God. Now, you see, you belong to the covenant community. You are the body of Christ, the church. But it's only if you are a true Jew. Galatians chapter 6, verse 16. That is, you must be one inwardly and spiritually, not necessarily by physical descent from Abraham, but by spiritual descent Descent from Abraham. We, we are the descendants of Abraham. Not physically, but spiritually. And spiritually is far more important. Sometimes I think what evangelicals in America need to remember is that the vast majority of the people who live in the land called Israel in the Middle East are lost. They are just as lost as the Arabs that live around them. Are they the people of God? No. We are the people of God. Those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Does God still have a plan for the physical descendants of Abraham? I believe he does. We'll talk about that when we get over in Romans 9, 10, and 11. But as for right now, unless a person has placed his trust, his faith in Jesus Christ and repented of sin, they are not the people of God. They're not God's chosen people so circumcision is a value but only if like baptism and the Lord's supper it points to the reality of a changed heart so a ritual has limited value then in verses 28 and 29 he talks about the limitless value of reality now this was not something that was new with Paul the truth is that the mere right of circumcision did not make a man a Jew. Uh, th- that idea was as old as the law and the prophets. We find it in, in passages like Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 16, and Ezekiel chapter 44 and verse 9. We are far too prone to be satisfied with trying to keep the letter of the law and ignore its deep spiritual implications. But God looks on the heart. These verses really sum up the entire teaching of the second chapter of Romans. The Pharisees were very impressive to men. They had elaborate ritual and ceremony, but Jesus wasn't at all impressed with them. In Luke chapter 16, he said to them, "'You are those who justify yourselves before men, "'but God knows your heart. "'For what is highly esteemed among men is is an abomination in the sight of God. Men highly esteem ritual and rite and ceremony but without an inward reality it's an abomination to God. I wonder sometimes if some of the super ministries that we are seeing in the world today are not like this. The flesh impresses men if you want to impress men then the more people that you have in the crowd the more they are impressed the bigger the building the larger the budget the greater the staff the more that they are impressed and that may be of God and may be pleasing to God but not necessarily and of course on the other hand a small church with no one could be unimpressive as well Again, it is not the outward, re, the, the outward uh, appearance, but the inward reality that matters. Performances move men. Uh, they, don't, they don't move God. With God, there must be reality. Uh, think about the things that we boast about as Southern Baptists. I'm not sure God's really impressed, to be honest with you. You know, we, we count. You know, I've often thought Southern Baptists are kind of like uh, baseball. So have you ever seen the movie that Kevin Costner was in for Love of the Game? And, and he and he tells the girl at the beginning. He said, "In baseball, we count everything." And you do. You, in baseball, you count everything. You know, number of bats and you know, hits. Or I mean, everything. Everything counts. And as Southern Baptists, we like to do the same thing. You know, we gotta, we got to count baptisms. And baptisms are extremely important. And if you had less last year and you did this year, then something's ter- terribly wrong. I've, I've, I've heard preachers stand up and extol the faithfulness of, of Noah, who preached for 120 years and had no converts uh, but his own family. And then eviscerate some little guy in, in some church out in the middle of nowhere that only baptized two people or didn't baptize any in spite of the fact that Paul said Christ sent me not to baptize, (laughs) but rather to proclaim the gospel. Baptisms are wonderful if there's truly the inward reality of life. But baptism itself has no value if there's no inward reality. I couldn't tell you the number of times in my ministry I've had parents bring a child to me They want to be saved, and so I talk to the child, and they're not quite there. Maybe they don't quite understand. They haven't got that grip on reality enough yet, and so I encourage them and you know try to tell them I love them, and you know any time they want to talk to me, they come back, and then the parents say, "When are you going to baptize them?" Well, I don't think they're ready. What? I want them baptized. Well, baptism won't do them any good if they're not saved. And if they are saved, it's not going to hurt not to baptize them for a while. I'm not saying they're not saved. All I'm saying is in, in talking with them, they do not give the appearance of their being an inward reality. I had one lady who left the church, this church, because I wouldn't baptize her seven-year-old who didn't understand the first thing about sin. Because we have so fixated on the ritual that we confuse the ritual with the reality, and Paul. That's that's what was happening in Paul's day. And Paul says nothing counts with God but holiness. The ritual doesn't matter if there's no inward holiness. So we've come to the end of, of, of Romans two. Well, that was quick, wasn't it? I'm glad Jim's not here. Yeah. So the apostle has been dealing. With people who would agree with this condemnation of the heathen as expressed in chapter 1, but who would excuse themselves on the grounds of either being very moral, they have a higher standard of conduct than that possessed by the heathen, or those who are thoroughly religious, and therefore they are saved by the possession of the revealed law of God and the participation in that. Ordinance circumcision. We know people like that today, do we not? People who would condemn those filthy sinners that are out there in the street, but would excuse themselves on the fact that they have been baptized, or that they are members of a church, whether there's any any reality of of Christ and of holiness uh, in their in their life at all. Uh, The truth of the matter is. Knowledge alone, even knowledge of the highest spiritual order, does not win God's approval unless that knowledge actually leads uh, to a a holy life. As a matter of fact, that knowledge will bring greater condemnation and the judgment. Membership in a religious society, whether it be the covenant nation of Israel or the visible church in Christendom doesn't guarantee that we've obtained God's favor. Doesn't guarantee that we have truly been born again. Uh, If you could keep the law perfectly, you could be saved, but no one can do that. Baptism and the Lord's Supper in the New Testament and circumcision in the Old Testament doesn't save anybody. It points to what saves but they do not save. And God judges according to truth and performances and by that standard every human being is condemned. God judges according to truth. Have you kept the law perfectly? If you have not, then you are condemned. Of course what Paul is leading to, all of this is terrible news all of this is depressing all of this is sad what Paul is leading to is the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord all of us have broken God's law all of us are separated from God by sin and that separation will become permanent one day it will become eternal unless we repent of our sin and put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. So all of this is simply designed to show us that the only thing that can save, that the only thing that can make us right with a holy God is the work of Jesus Christ. And to encourage us to repent and to put our faith in him, for in him alone is the reality of of salvation. Let's pray. Our Father and our God,